Good morning and happy Easter. We're uh, really glad uh, to have you joining us. Uh, I want to uh, just say a couple things uh, before we uh, get into the message. Uh, one is, if you're a, a guest today, we're really honored to have you with us, uh, worshiping us. And I pray that uh, my prayer has been that this service will be uh, a blessing to you. And it's already been a blessing to me. Uh, the worship team did a great job. So the only way for it to go to south is if I screw up. So, um, and because uh, it's already been a blessing. So uh, we're really glad that you're here. Uh, second of all, just a little bit of kind of family business that I wanted to um, alert you about is this last Friday, kind of a longtime member of our, of our church, Gloria Martin, passed away. And um, I know a lot of people around here know Gloria. Um, and uh, she was really involved here in our worship team. Uh, you saw her often on uh, stage. Her son, Shobi, uh, did his internship with us and preached a couple sermons and uh, did a really great job. And uh, her son, Silas, uh, passed away about six years ago. We did his funeral here at the service. So uh, families just been through a lot. And I just want to ask you to pray for them. Um, and as they're, as they're really struggling, uh, resurrection invades these situations. And resurrection makes all the difference in the world. So they have the hope of the resurrection uh, with them, but it, it still hurts and it's still painful. So we'll be praying for them. Thursday, um, they're going to do kind of a private family uh, service on Thursday um, here in, in our building, but it will be live streamed. Uh, and so if you have any desire on Thursday, it'll be live streamed and then recorded and available later as well. So if you have a, a desire to watch that, um, you can watch the live stream of that through the normal way that you watch our live stream. Uh, it'll be available Thursday morning and then later it will be up on YouTube um, if, you, if you have a desire to watch it. So please just be praying for them uh, as, as they go off throughout this week. Um, they're kind of shell-shocked um, and, and could really use... Uh, the, the prayers lifted up. So uh, today will kind of be a standalone Easter deal. And then uh, next week, uh, you probably saw some of the scrolling around. Next week, we'll start a new series uh, called Settlers. And we're just going to be talking uh, for about five or six weeks about um, some things that have just kind of become normal in our culture and some minds that have just kind of become normal. And we want to just kind of ask the question through this series, is that really what God, like, are we settling? For, for something less than. And so we'll start that uh, next Sunday. Uh, I'm going to do my best. I, the, you, you probably noticed the graphic. I know nothing about Settlers of Catan. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know if I just said it right, for instance. So uh, that is what the graphic is based on. That will not be at all incorporated in the series. I hope that doesn't disappoint you. Uh, but I'm just ignorant. I'm an ignorant person when it comes to that. So, um, but I knew about Settlers of Catan enough to say, hey, this sounds like it could work. And they said, yes. And so now that's how it happens. All right, so um, let me pray and then we'll get into today's message, right? Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for resurrection. We thank you for Jesus and uh, um, for uh, the hope that he gives us through that resurrection. And I just pray um, that we would ultimately be encouraged today and renewed and that um, resurrection wouldn't be something we celebrate just once a year, but it would invade every area of our life this morning. So again, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. There's an old uh, preacher's joke, kind of dumb, which is a great way to set up a joke, but um, kind of an old preacher's joke about three guys that died and went to the pearly gates, uh, which is every good joke starts that way. And Peter uh, greets them and says, listen, I'll, I'll make you a deal. I'm going to let you in if you can just answer one question. Just one question is all you have to answer. What is Easter? 
All right, and he starts with the first guy, and the first guy says, I've got it, absolutely. Easter is that holiday in November. Everybody gets together and eats turkey, and they express their Thanksgiving. And Peter's like, you gotta be kidding me. No, no, that, that is not Easter. And so he turns to the next guy, all right, one question, what is Easter? The second one says, oh, it's that holiday in December where we put up a tree, and we exchange presents, and we celebrate the birth of Jesus. And Peter's like, well, that's a better answer, and it's a little bit closer, but no, that, that's not what Easter is about. And the third one says, what is Easter? And he says, it's a, it coordinates, kind of goes alongside of the Jewish festival of Passover, and it's when Jesus was handed over to the Romans, and they crucified him, and he was stabbed in the side, and all of this stuff happened, and he was buried uh, in a nearby cave, and it was sealed off with a large boulder, and Peter's like, all right, now, now we're cooking with gas, this is absolutely good, and then the guy continues, and he says, every year, uh, that boulder is moved aside, and Jesus comes out, and if he sees his shadow, there's six more weeks of winter, right? So, uh, I, I thought it was, uh, I, I think it's a legitimate question, right? As we're, as we're here today celebrating, we're celebrating Easter, we're celebrating resurrection, and I think it's a good question to ask, what is Easter? Why is it so important, and what are we really here uh, to celebrate. And I want to do something just a little bit different today. I want to preach from the Old Testament uh, uh, about Easter, and I want to preach uh, specifically from the book of Psalms. There's this cluster of three Psalms that each kind of points us to uh, the power of this weekend and the power of the Easter story. So I want to start with you in Psalm 22. This is a Psalm that is sometimes called the Song of the Suffering Servant. Uh, the, the song of the one of the, of the servant of God who suffered. And here's how it goes. Uh, just I'll read uh, a couple verses to you. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far away from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, but I find no rest the Psalm of the Suffering Servant. And it probably sounds a little bit familiar to you. Uh, it is recorded again, and it's brought back up in Matthew's gospel. Uh, Jesus uh, says it from the cross. This is a, a Psalm that is quoted from uh, uh, the cross. And I want to read you, Matthew probably goes into the most detail of the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew probably goes into the most detail about the suffering that Jesus actually endured. And I know today's not Good Friday, it's Easter, right? But if you'll indulge me just a couple minutes, I think we can have a better understanding of Easter if we kind of sit in Good Friday just for a few minutes because this is part of the song of Easter. This is one of the verses of Easter was Jesus, the servant who came and suffered on our behalf. All right, so this, this is how Matthew records it. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus in the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. All right? And I want you to notice uh, the physical suffering that Jesus is going to endure, the relational suffering that Jesus is going to endure as his friends kind of turn their back on him, uh, and the spiritual suffering that Jesus is going to endure as the perfect, blameless Lamb of God takes the sin of the world upon his shoulders. All right, verse 28. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. Then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. They took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And there they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. 
When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. After uh, sitting down, they kept watch over him, and above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left, and those who passed by hurled insults at him, uh, shaking their heads and saying, you were the one who was going to destroy the temple and build it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of law, and the elders, they mocked him. He saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when some were standing there, when they heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest, uh, the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. This suffering, this verse of suffering, this song of suffering, is part of the Easter story. Easter is about a suffering servant in part. A, a servant who went and had a, th- a, a, a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He was beaten. Uh, he was nailed to a cross. He suffered greatly. And the question becomes, why would he do that? Why would the perfect, blameless son of God allow people? He did no wrong. Why would he allow people to treat him this way? Why would he uh, allow himself to be handled this way? Why on earth would the innocent allow himself to be treated this way? And the Bible says it is very simple. It's a very simple reason. Love. For God so loved you. For God so loved me that he gave his one and only son. In other words, Jesus saw what our sin was doing to us to others, to our relationship with God. Jesus saw and said, I am not going to stand for this. I will go. The wages of sin is death. I will go and I will pay the price for their sin. And so Jesus absorbed that. He took my punishment upon himself. He who knew no sin became sin that I and you through Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. And that is an amazing Easter truth. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. He took my sin and gave me his righteousness. And it's all because he loved me. Now, there's another thing embedded in this and why I wanted you to see this. It's kind of a downer, but it needs to be understood to understand the verses that are coming next. If the perfect, blameless son of God, if the perfect, blameless son of God suffered while in this world, I can probably plan on that I'm going to suffer too. I can probably plan on that. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised it. He said, just understand this. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. And if I were to go around this room, I would guess even on an Easter Sunday that is beautiful outside, one of the most beautiful Easter Sundays I can remember in a long, long time, if we were to go around this room, I bet we would hear some tales of trouble. Marriage trouble, health trouble, kid trouble, financial trouble, And thanks be to God, the only song at Easter is not Psalm 22. There's another song that is sung. It is in Psalm 24. And this is sometimes called a psalm of victory. Let me read you a couple lines of it. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, 
the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust an idol or swear by a false God. This is a psalm that goes on and it celebrates the rule of God, the reign of God, and the ultimate victory of God. This is a psalm that celebrates this truth. He always wins in the end. God always wins, all right? Spoiler alert, he wins, all right? He always, always wins. And this was the psalm that was originally sung in the Old Testament. It celebrated the moment that the Ark of the Covenant arrived in Jerusalem, all right? And uh, the Jews had suffered greatly. They'd been oppressed. They'd been beaten and mistreated and all this stuff. And there finally comes this moment where the Ark of the Covenant, which was God's presence, ascended the uphill road to the center of Jerusalem. And it was uphill all wet. And that, and that Ark of the Covenant ascended that mountain and it was a day of victory. After everything we've been through, after every trial that we face, after all of our suffering, finally the presence of God is gonna be where it should be, in the center of Jerusalem. And they brought the Ark of the Covenant in there. And God said, listen, this is a day to celebrate. This is a day to have a party. This is a day of victory. And as the story of the Bible unfolds, we find this truth, this psalm celebrated in the Easter story. That we see that Jesus suffered, he died, he was buried. But listen, he resurrected and the Bible says he has ascended the mountain of the Lord. The one with clean hands, the one with a pure heart conquered the grave, he did. And he has returned to heaven. He ascended that ultimate mountain and he is at the right hand of God. Ultimate victory is his. And so yes, while there is a song of suffering in Psalm 22, in Psalm 24, we see the psalm of victory. That the one who suffered was victorious. The one who was beaten was resurrected. The one who was put to death rose from the dead and ascended the mountain of the Lord and is now at the right hand of God. Victory is his. Now, some of you know that my wife and I love college sports. We do. Uh, we particularly love Michigan State University because my wife went there. I grew up in Lansing, right down the road from the university, about 50 miles from the university. And so we just grew up loving this team. And every once in a while, I have found that we'll be watching a basketball game and Michigan State will kind of rally from behind. And uh, I'll be in like my pajamas eating popcorn because I love to eat popcorn, root beer, Sprite, whatever, and just kind of hanging out home. And one of the Michigan State players will make a game-winning shot at the buzzer. You know what I do? I stand up, I high five Cheryl, I scare my children, I scream in delight. I am excited. Why? I didn't make the shot. I was in my pajamas, eating a root beer, drinking a root beer. I had nothing to do with it. I literally did nothing. Yet I am celebrating the victory. Why? Because we love the team so much. We get to share in the victory. And who knows I'm not talking about basketball right now. All right, this is the Easter story. Jesus conquered the grave. He ascended the mountain of the Lord. He won the victory, but through his love for us and our love for him, he shares his victory with us. And so suffering comes for a time to every person. It came to Jesus. It's certainly going to come to you and me. But we believe that we have the victory secured in our Lord Jesus Christ. We know uh, that often he'll bring it in this life. Every once in a while you get this chance to see God bring victory in this life. 
where it's like, oh man, I didn't, I didn't see how he was working or I didn't see how he was moving, but man, I got, in this world, I got to see victory. And every once in a while that happens. I, I was reading uh, a story about two men that were uh, looking at a picture at an art gallery, a painting, and uh, the, paint, the name of the painting was Checkmate. All right, checkmate. And, and the painting was of, it was, uh, the devil was depicted and it was playing, uh, the devil was playing chess against this guy. And he had this guy kind of backed into the corner, all the pieces were backed into the corner. And like I said, the title of the painting was checkmate. And these two friends were looking at it. And the one friend who was kind of an international chess star was like, something is bugging me about this painting. And he's like, well, we've looked at it for an uncomfortable amount of time. We just need to like move on. He said, no, you go, you go ahead. I'm just going to stare for a while longer. And he's looking at the board, he's looking at the board, he's looking at the board, and finally he starts screaming for his friend across the art gallery. He's like, you gotta come, you gotta come over here. And his friend's like, what is your problem? He's like, it's wrong. The painting is wrong. He says, what are you talking about? He says, the title of this painting is Checkmate. It's not Checkmate, there's one more move. He says, what are you talking about, one more move? And he said, listen, listen, no, no, see, the king in this picture, the king has one more move. And often, I think when we're playing the chess game of life, we feel we are out of options and we feel defeated and we don't know what to do and we feel like giving up. And the resurrection reminds us the king always has one more move, amen? Amen. He always has one more move. So don't you give up. Don't you give in. Don't you lay down in defeat. He's not done yet. That is the resurrection story. The king always has one more move. We learn that from the resurrection. Now, in addition to that, we know that the ultimate victory, we get to see victory in this world all the time. The ultimate, ultimate victory will come when Jesus descends from the mountain of the Lord. He'll come back down to this earth. The text goes on to describe that the doors will open, the doors of heaven will open, and he'll descend back to earth. Jesus will return. And how many of you know he's not returning as a baby? <laughs> he came as a cute, harmless baby. He's not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as a warrior in the Easter story. Revelation says he will come with fire in his eyes and a sword in his mouth and he will destroy death and Satan. He will bring the victory and we will live forever with him in paradise where there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Easter reminds us that victory is sure. Victory is sure and victory is coming. We just live faithfully until that moment. There's gonna be a moment. I don't know what it's gonna look like, the Bible doesn't say, but where God turns to Jesus and I picture, maybe he'll say something like, it's time, right? Or maybe it'll just be a head nod, right? And whatever, whatever happens is gonna happen and the heavens are gonna open up and Jesus is gonna return and Satan will be defeated, and death will be defeated. I love what the book of Revelation says. There's an old order and a new order. The old order is funerals. The old order is hardship. The old order is cancer. And the new order, all of that's been defeated. And we live forever with our God in a place of unimaginable beauty. So I love these Psalms. Psalm 22 reminds us of the suffering servant, the one who suffered Good Friday. And Psalm 24 reminds us that victory is his. Victory in this life and victory in the next. It is his. Now, I've never been great at math, but I know that there is a psalm in between those two. Right? Psalm 22 and Psalm 24. 
I think I learned that it's Psalm 23, right? That this Psalm exists between these two. And I love this because I think this Psalm fits perfectly between these two ideas because it teaches us how you live every day in the middle of that reality, that he suffered and he's victorious because sometimes we suffer and we're waiting on victory. And so Psalm 23, I call it Easter every day. It teaches us how we live out these two truths that we just discussed, how we live them out every day uh, in, 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 faithful, in, in the faithful uh, reality that God has given us, that, that he has done these two things for us and to us. How do we live? And this is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Easter, as an American holiday, is designed to be celebrated once a year. You do the basket, you do the eggs, you do the chocolate bunny, Don't be buying your kids hollow Easter bunny, right? Solid all the way through. (laughs) The tomb is empty. The bunny shouldn't be, right? Um, Just saying. Buy him the good stuff, all right? So we do that once a year. Resurrection was not designed to be that way. We don't celebrate resurrection once a year. We celebrate resurrection every day when we understand that Jesus died for us, and that the victory is his. Psalm 23 shows us what every day can be like when we walk in the reality of Jesus' suffering and his victory. So I want to put a few of these on the screen for you. Easter every day, it makes Jesus our shepherd who guides us. It recognizes these things about Jesus, that he lived a perfect life, that he suffered faithfully, and that he was absolutely victorious over his suffering. And so this just makes a lot of sense to me that when I understand those two realities, I would say to Jesus, would you be my shepherd? Would you be my shepherd? Would you lead me? Would you tell me what to do? Would you show me how to live? Would you show me how to suffer well and to achieve victory? Would you show me how to do that, Jesus? And I wonder if some of us need this this year especially, that we need a shepherd. We don't know how to navigate a pandemic. If anything, the last year has taught us, has been we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to navigate our family stress. We don't know how to navigate racial tension. We don't know how to navigate financial pressure. But guess what? Jesus does. Jesus knows how to navigate all of that. And so we say to Jesus, would you be a shepherd? I'll be the sheep, you be the shepherd. And would you guide me and direct me and show me how to suffer well? Show me how to be faithful. Show me how to, uh, come, how to come to a place of victory. Show me all of those things. And it makes Jesus our shepherd. Easter every day refuses to be afraid. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And this only makes sense when you understand Psalm 24, that Jesus suffered and died and he conquered the grave and he'll conquer yours as well. He shares the victory with you. And this understanding in the resurrection, it gives us confidence as we face difficulty and trial and persecution and hardship. We refuse to be afraid, not because we're delusional and insane, but because we are resurrection people. And we understand that Jesus suffered and he resurrected and he conquered his grave and he'll conquer ours as well. So we are currently already living our eternal life. 
Easter every day allows Jesus to comfort. Because he is resurrected, he is present. He is alive and he is active. And so you see in this text all the, way that, also, all the ways that he brings comfort, that he brings comfort through the anointing of oil. He brings comfort through blessing as our cup overflows. He makes us lie down and rest. You serve a God who like forces you to nap. If you can figure that out for Lila, it'd be great. <laughs> maybe, maybe we ought to turn to Jesus, right? <laughs> Make this girl nap. She won't nap, all right? Um, I digress, all right? Uh, he prepares a table for us to eat. And he is filling our lives with goodness and love despite challenge and hardship. And he is able to do it all only because he is alive. And I suspect that even in a pandemic year, some of you would be able to tell tales of trouble. And some of you would be able to say, man, Jesus has made a tremendous difference in the middle of all that trouble. He's brought comfort to our family, blessing goodness and love that has followed me and will follow me all the days of my life. And last, Easter every day has an unwavering hope in the future. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A house he is preparing for us as we speak. A house that will be free of death and sorrow and pain. And let me tell you something, hope in the future gives us confidence in the present. And it is a confidence that says there won't always be pandemics. I think we are forgetting this, right? There won't always be cancer. There won't always be hardship. Sorrow may last for a night, but joy, it comes in the morning. And my job is to be faithful. My job is to be faithful. His job is to bring victory, and he will. He absolutely will. Now, I don't know about you, all right? Easter was kind of a big deal in my family when I was growing up. Right? And some of it was uh, the celebration of the resurrection. A lot of it was that. My parents were fairly new Christians. We wanted to celebrate the resurrection. Part of it was that my grandparents were snowbirds, and they would come back to Michigan right around Easter every year. And so we developed this tradition. Uh, they lived about a mile from us. We developed this tradition that we would go out to brunch with them after Easter services. Um, and uh, we did the whole sunrise thing. You remember getting up sunrise? Some of you remember that? All right. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift that we're not doing that, right? <laughs> Jesus got up early in the morning so we don't have to, right? Um, and, and it's in the Bible, I'm sure of it. Um, and so anyway, so we would do the sunrise service, then we would do the later, and then we'd go out to brunch with grandpa and grandma. And a, as I got a little bit older, like late kind of middle school, early high school, we started going to really fancy brunches, right? Really kind of expensive brunches. And I remember uh, the first kind of expensive one that we went to, we went in and the table was set, right? And there was, it was just water, but it was in the most beautiful glass I'd ever seen, right? We didn't, my parents, we didn't go to fancy meals, and so this was like a goblet. I was like, bring me my water, right? Um, it, I mean, just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff. And then I started to notice that the buffets all around, and then I had like a bazillion pieces of silverware at my, at my plate. And I remember I just, I didn't want to be embarrassed, so I just kind of turned to my mom, and I said, why do I have so many forks? You know, and she said, all right, let me kind of walk you through this. And she said, this first fork right here, uh, this is the salad fork. And in a couple minutes, we're going to go get salad. And this is the fork you use for your salad. So well, in a couple minutes, you're going to go get salad. Um, I'll, wait, I'll wait here for you. Um, 
And uh, she said, right, this is the, you know, we're digressing. This, this is the salad fork. And then she said, and then we're going to move to the kind of main meal. And that's what the second fork uh, is for. And we'll go. And I looked around and there's this big, beautiful buffet of all of this food. And, and then she kind of pointed to the last fork and she said, you're going to want to keep an eye on this fork. She said, this fork's for dessert. And I looked over and I, she pointed and I looked over and I saw the most beautiful table of dessert that I've ever seen cheesecakes, regular cakes, pies, cookies. And it was the first time in my life I'd ever seen a chocolate fountain. I was like, there is a Lord and he loves me greatly, right? <laughs> right? Can I just get in it, right? Um, and uh, it was this beautiful chocolate fountain. And uh, I, I just was, was looking at it. She said, you're gonna wanna keep an eye on this fork. And I kept an eye on that fork the entire meal. As a matter of fact, the waiters would come and they'd clear the table a little bit. If they got anywhere near my fork, it was, you know, don't touch that fork. Right? That fork means uh, dessert is coming. And here's what I wanted to come and say to you this morning. Uh, keep your eye on the fork. The best is yet to come. Keep your eye on the resurrection. Keep your eye on that fork because it will change everything in this life and it will change everything in the next. Let's receive communion together. I want to pray for us. This is an opportunity uh, to, to remember uh, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. He suffered for us, but he rose from the dead, and he conquered his grave, and he'll conquer yours as well, and he'll conquer mine. And it's an opportunity for, for us to remember that. So I just want to pray, and then I want to leave a little bit of time for you to pray, just kind of quietly to God, and then uh, I'll close out the prayer, and we can receive communion at that point together as a church family. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the power of his resurrection. May we keep our eye on the fork, that there's so many distractions, um, so many things that can bother us and irritate us and make us angry. May we keep our eye on the fork of resurrection and remember the best is truly yet to come and you are faithful and you have achieved the victory. Our job is to be faithful right now. You'll bring the victory. We just need to follow you. We need to make you our shepherd and follow you. Help us to do that this morning. All these prayers and requests, Lord, we want to lift up to you. It is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. His body given for you. His blood poured out. May we leave uh, this place confident in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Confident in his death and confident in his resurrection. And may we walk with a peace and a hope and a joy that can only be found in him. Happy Easter, truly. God bless you and you all have a great week. You're dismissed.